we have really built like a native integrated experience around Interop that no other ecosystem has, even though they have Interop. Cosmoverse 2022 in Medellin, and I'm very pleased to be sitting with Zach Mannion. Yeah, in this uh, in this great media room that they got set up for us, and we're gonna be talking about some. I think this is the probably like the freshest of Alpha. I just got off the stage. Just got off the stage. Just got off the stage. Barely had any time to prepare. I think this is like the least preparation I've ever had for any. Conversation. Yeah, I think we'll be years. talking about this for a while. So you know, this yeah. is a, we, we a first can, draft we, of history. We can do. We, you know, I think I think this could be a nice kind of overview of what's in Atom 2.0. But I think because we are going to be talking about Atom 2.0, you started your talk, and I think you know Ethan gave a talk just before um, talking about the the vision for Cosmos and how it's been evolving. And you know, like the vision in the 2016 white paper has been slowly materializing over the last six seven years. What's the vision in your view? Like, where do we, where are we heading? You know, from from here. I think that so. I would say that there's two things. On one hand, I think there is an emerging vision that among many people about sort of what are the next stages of cosmos, sort of network ecosystem, all this stuff. How do we live in this world where like rollups are happening and you know, like the 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 you know sovereign build your own blockchain narrative is now like the mainstream narrative in the industry and like how does Cosmos make sure that we're still relevant then. But I think a lot of why we decided to put Atom 2.0 center stage at this event was that we think that it will be very difficult for the tech to remain relevant if the asset is not. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like the asset is the is the thing that carries the meme. It is the thing that also funds much of the public goods in the ecosystem. Like, if we do not make Adam great again, uh, or maybe great for the first time, it'll be very difficult to see all of this work not be sort of, sort of become commoditized by like the fact that the entire industry has basically decided our our thesis from 2016 was the right thesis. Yeah, the, one one of the things that I think really came through in in the first couple talks this morning. This is something that I think a lot of people in the Cosmos space, you know, sort of know and believe and and um, and consider to be true. But there, a lot of emphasis was on building new systems and like on people, right? And it, it's like, yeah, you know, we, we sit here and look at the price and look at you know, what's the value of Atom. And I think a lot of the conversation in the last couple of months has been around what makes Atom valuable. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the vision and what we're trying to do here is actually build new types of institutions, replacing legacy systems, and, and at the core of that are people. Yes. Um, how do we kind of revitalize this idea well, and the narrative? I would also say the fact that we got to today was a huge revitalization, right? Um, there, was, there was definitely a sense, I think, among many people of a lot of the people who have worked, you know, used to work at Tendermint, worked on the core, like the launch of Cosmos. You know, a lot of us kind of at the end of 
20, sort of in the 20, late 2020, early 2021 timeframe, kind of all went off on our own adventures in the interchain, right? We built our own chains, we built our own thing. And maybe like we weren't as connected back into this, but with the technical advisory board at the sort of new Cosmos Hub vision white paper, what we are trying to do, we have also this thing that uh, called the Cosmos Builders Foundation, which has not been as, we didn't make as much of a star of the show because like we have too many stars of the show this time. Um, but it's going to be a big, I think going to be a big part of the future of Cosmos as well, that we have been really kidding to get, pulling together a revitalization of both the core group and then adding to that among a whole bunch of new people. Like so many new people have come in, like people who are, you know, not the Cosmos white paper, you'll see on the author list, there are people whose names are not known in Cosmos, yeah. right? Who've been, who've, been, who've been like putting months and months of work into this new vision for Adam. And that has always been like, you know, what is special is like the fact that you could, that someone else, new people could come into the ecosystem. But what we want to do is like grow that ability to bring new people in in a way that has really felt very difficult up until now. Yeah, and I, I feel that too as well. Like whenever, you know, one example is like whenever I'm you know, pitching like what I do, right? So I'm, I'm pitching interop ventures or whatever and people tell me, oh, you're running a Cosmos fund. And, and I sort of have to correct them and say, no, I'm running an interchain fund. And the vision for interchain was set a long time ago, but there very much is sort of a pre-IBC era, I think, and like a post-IBC era. And the post-IBC era is, I think, an era where all, all like, all, like the pre-IBC era is a lot of people who worked at Tendermint and people who worked on the, on the hub and who did like a lot of this early work. And a lot of that... Um, and there were these early teams that discovered Tender. Right. right? Yeah, the early and teams some of them built on the Cosmos SDK, and some of them went off into their own worlds, right? right? Yeah. Like, we had Polygon, Binance, BNB, Smart Chain, like, all of these things. But there was that... There were, there were multiple nucleating events, right? Yeah. But the post-IBC thing is this kind of thing where it's, it is pulling all the pieces back together. One of the things, though, that I think has become like really, that really strikes me about how different the Cosmos ecosystem is from all the other ecosystems, is if you look at bridging right now, my sense of the entire bridging ecosystem is that it is largely stable coins outside of the IBC ecosystem. Mm, yeah. Like right now, like basically the bridging ecosystem is bringing stable coins from places that don't have them to places that need them. And then there's the Cosmos ecosystem where people send tokens to every blockchain the, in the IBC network willy-nilly without a second thought, right? And it, you know, it's because IBC feels very native, the security model is very simple, the software is very well constructed, you know, the kinds of, oh, like where are my coins kind of experience. You know, the, our, the between Map of Zones and Cosmos Station uh, and MintScan, you know, their product MintScan, like we've really built like a native integrated experience around Interop that no other ecosystem has, even though they have Interop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I think that this new sort of post-IBC Cosmos world has all of these new people that had, that, that are just not not very much attached to like the previous iteration of, yeah. the, of the ecosystem in ways that like hey people are building IBC connections to Near and Polkadot and like all these other ecosystems for whom like Cosmos Hub doesn't really have any like it they don't know, have any emotional they don't attachment. Have any emotional attachment to it. That's that's what I'm I think that yeah. would so yeah. part of the problem again with this whole 
like why we need a new vision for the Cosmos Hub, is that there are a lot of people, so there's a legacy of people who have been keeping this whole thing going, who have an, basically an emotional attachment yeah, to, yeah. The Cos to the Cosmos Hub, and we're like, this Adam thing, like, it, it embodies so much of our hopes and dreams for so many years that we're not letting to le willing to let it die, right? Yeah. But we still have to, like, we have to figure, we have to find a way to economically engage all of the new people who are coming to the IBC ecosystem in the atom economy so that they actually are like not just like, oh, like I love this Cosmos thing. What is this atom thing, ever, what has it ever done for me? But if the, what atom can do is it can, you know, buy my tokens, hold LP positions on exchanges, provide liquidity, provide a long-term aligned capital partner. Uh, if it can, you know, help me deal with my MEV challenges, if it can uh, 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 provide liquid atoms that flow out and collateralize my economy, suddenly now people are like, oh, like I know what Adam could do for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, let's, let's, let's uh, leave that sort of yeah, that was philosophy, nice philosophy stuff behind us. Let's, let's dive into Adam 2.0 here. So the, there's three main components I think that are critical to to this new vision for Adam, and like you said in your talk, a lot of this stuff has already been kind of out in the open. This is just kind of put you know digest again. It, it like fits really well with like Ethan's theme of integration. Yeah. Right. So like. let, let, let's look at the three parts. So there's a liquid staking. There's this allocation module, interchain allocation, which I guess is meant to help fund ecosystem growth. And then there's the scheduler, which redirects cross-chain MEV. Yeah. So let's, let's maybe just start with liquid staking here, because I think it's the thing that most people in the ecosystem are familiar with, because it's existed before in, in Ethereum, and also yeah. lots of talk has been in, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot. We've been talking about it since 2019. I gave Stride up the and Quicksilver and everything. So yeah. let's start with the liquid staking. Okay, so, all right. Where does, so, Okay, so in 2019, in back, you know, in 2016, when we were figuring this out, the early Tendermint proof of stake community realized that there was a problem with proof of stake. The problem with proof of stake is, if I have a flat inflation rate, or like a flat coin issuance rate, or if I have a Bitcoin style, you know, descending coin, uh, uh, you know, deflationary descending emission rate, I'm going to run a problem, and that problem is. There are going to be other things that people can do. They'll be able to lend their coins. They're going to be able to, you know, you know, put their coins in other applications. They'll collateralize stable coins with it. There'll be incentives on those stable coins. There'll be like we kind of imagined all of this stuff that we see today in 2016, and we're like, yeah, you can't make a hard cap work, right? Mm. We're like, fuck, you can't make a hard cap work. So we came up with this idea of adaptive issuance, where the issuance rate would adapt to the staking rate. And then we started talking a lot about liquid staking in 2019, but we still had to ship IBC. Mm. We, you know, there are a lot of improvements to the staking module that we shipped in Cosmos that like are possible. You know, there's what Babel Unchain is doing with re potentially reducing the unbonding time. There's we could have gone to like a queue-based system. So like depending if not very many people are unbonding now, we could have given people shorter unbonding times. <laughs> there are like lots of improvements um, that are made, but like. You know, and I'm not, a, I think we should, like, you know, this renewed energy into the staking module allows us to sort of do all of those things. But one of the things that I, you know, I think has been most important is to unlock everything else, we have to solve this puzzle. We have to solve this puzzle of atoms are constraining the development of DeFi in the ecosystem 
It's constraining the development of stable coins. It's constraining the development of lending protocols. It's starving the ecosystem of applications and use cases that are important. We should be trying to solve that. And as a, as a, you know, Ethan is the monetary theorist. I'm not the monetary theorist, so I don't really have strong opinions about whether or not Adams can be sound buddy. But what I would say is that I think Adams should be like a very useful asset to the, to, to the ecosystem. They should be a very strong asset. And having this world of you know, 10, 9, 10% you Adam issuance where we're issuing you know, 20 or 30 million Adams a year is really adverse to those goals, but we had to figure out a way to do it securely. And then all of these liquid staking protocols, like you know, I started working with the occlusion team on this you know, small change to the, like, it was like, hey, what is the smallest change that we can make? The other thing, though, that, like, the liquid staking thing kind of got right that I think is a, is going to, is really influential on the Adams, uh, uh, is we are not picking a winner. We're not saying the liquid staking should be stride, it should be quicksilver, it should be anything. You're and we've made, made some mistakes in 2021, which yeah. was we tried to pick winners. We were like, the gravity decks will be the decks. And then Osmosis like, came in and like, you know, smashed our faces in the ground and like, dragged us behind a car, right? Like, utterly crushed the gravity decks. We said, the gravity bridge should be the bridge. And Axor came to the party and was like, we got better, we got some pretty good technology. Uh, you know, why should that be the bridge? And so, one of the things that I think we've really learned over the course of 2021 was we should build into the Cosmos Hub primitives that enable a multi-vendor ecosystem of new partners to the Cosmos Hub to then come out and build and let the market decide what, the, what, what is the right, what is the optimal staked atom? Is there one optimal staked atom? Are there five? You know, we see a very, we're starting to see a very competitive market in Ethereum liquid staking. I would love to see an even more competitive market because we've made it easier to compete. So you're thinking about them in, in the Cosmos Hub more as a platform than uh, a place where you know, yeah you we are build not the, the what the Cosmos Hub cannot be is it cannot be so our thesis is application specific blockchains and the Cosmos Hub cannot be an application specific blockchain okay that is like one of the one of the things that I has been like one of the one of the knots that was like so hard to unpack was like our thesis is application specific blockchain therefore we need to build applications in the hub for it to be there and then we were like. When we like tried it and we failed miserably, right? Completely got like completely crushed at this. We're like, this is not wrong. This is cannot be the right answer. How does liquid staking generally, you know, with all these different um, liquid staking solutions that are coming either on the hub uh, through interchain security or as as their own sovereign chains, how how do how do these entering the ecosystem and providing uh, liquid stakes assets fix issuance or address? So the what they do issue? is they like really drive the stake rate up. And they also allow users of those liquid staking protocols to stack their yield. So it's no longer like, hey, I am staking my atom for the airdrops of the yield. It's, I'm in this liquid staking protocol. I'm getting, if I'm holding liquid stake atoms, I'm getting exposure now where you know, airdrops hopefully get replaced more by like the scheduler and the allocation module as like the way to partner with the hub. And then you have, so now you're holding your liquid staked assets. You're like, maybe I'm earning, you know, maybe there's, you know, 1% or whatever 
coming in for that, and there's like some scheme for distributing that in my particular liquid staking protocol. Mm. But like now, I've encouraged to take my liquid stake asset, take it to Mars Protocol, take it to IST, take it to uh, and like go out and earn on top of that. So mm. like now, instead of this asset that is like holding back the explosion of the economy, now suddenly you have you know n billion dollars, whatever it's worth at the time, suddenly flows out and suddenly seeds everything else. Right, and so like we truly have like a big bang from the liquid staking protocols. Mm. So it addresses issuance by increasing the staking rate, and then therefore reducing the issuance rate. Yeah. So like right now, our floor rate. issuance is seven percent. Right. And the white paper that has come out, the proposed floor issuance now would actually fall all the way to three hundred thousand atoms a month. Okay. Which, which would so probably percent. end up being like approximately one percent. Okay. And, and and then there's 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 options for. We, which we can go into, which aren't really sketched out in the white in the white paper, but like is going to be a great thing for the community to discuss. Which is either we could even go further, we could go to zero issuance, or you know under sub conditions, or we could go to this world of um, where there's a burn from the scheduler and allocation revenue that offsets that. Okay, well let's let's get into the allocation because I think the allocation module is the one that I understand the least probably because I. I I don't have a great understanding of the Olympus DAO um, yeah. treasury thing. So can, yeah, yeah. can you explain so, some of the top down? Because like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. So one of the things that what Olympus does is, so Olympus came up with this very clever mechanism. Um, so Olympus was, a, Olympus was a stable coin. Olympus, yeah, was a stable coin. Yeah. The problem with it is it's not a stable coin, right? Um, like, why is Olympus? You know, problematic is that like it's not actually an effective way of constructing a stablecoin for a variety of different reasons. Um, there's a great like uh, 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 paper from like Tarun and Guillermo and stuff like this about the, the analyzing the Olympus mechanism. It does a bad job of being a stablecoin. But what they came up with was hey, so like one of the problems like why does no one just do like hey like I'm going to pass a governance proposal and buy some Osmo like why don't we just like diversify our treasury into Osmo? Well, what price should we do that Osmo at? Um, you mean the hub? Like, yeah, right, yeah. Like, like, let's let's bring Osmo into the hub of treasury. Yeah, so like yeah. to align incentives, or yeah, like yeah. let's hold a bunch of LP pairs mm. of like Osmo Atom in the hub, and why don't we just do this with governance proposals? Mm. Um, you know, and that's what's existed. And then, but what you have is like what was most effectively demonstrated by the Constitution DAO debacle was, hey, if you're a decentralized anything, everyone can see your price preferences, right? And everyone will be like, well, we'll just like charge you the most you're willing to pay or, or outbid you, right? We'll, yeah. You know, it's constantly this adverse selection on, the, on, the, on pricing. And what Olympus came up with is this idea of, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to target essentially buying assets at a certain rate, but we're not going to target price. And so if we're able to deploy at the target rate, we're willing, we'll decrease the price that we're willing to pay. And if we're willing to, if we're willing to target, if, if we're, if we're uh, uh, not able to hit our target rate of capital deployment, we'll increase the price that we'll pay. This is really like, it's a very clever mechanism. It allows you to not have to deal with the decks. And basically the people now arbing this mechanism are actually optimizing the discount rather than sort of trying to like exploit the hub for as much money as it can get out. Okay. That's really inspirational because now you can build, we can build these like sort of things that, so the allocation module basically says, 
there should be things like this. We're not going to build a thing like this into the cosmos. Huh? But what we're saying is, in a world where there are things like this, we can allocate assets. And then what we'll also have is this rebalancer concept, which is, again, uses some similar mechanism designed to this. But when those assets, when those things return non-atom assets to the hub treasury, we actually have the ability to do treasury management. Okay. Right? Instead of just having, uh, and so these are the two ideas. And like, is this, this treasury management happens through governance? Yeah, but it's, again, it's setting these like large scale parameters that like guide these like economic little machines that like are not like, oh, let's like go dump a bunch of Osmo on. No, let's like set, let's like tune the parameters so it's like, oh, you can like, you know, put some atoms in and get Osmo out at like a certain rate and like, we are trying to like, we want to, we thought Osmo went up a lot and now we want to unwind our position. And you're, when you're talking about the, the treasury of the hub, you're talking about the treasury that then gets deployed as like community grant proposals and things of yeah. that nature. What, the, what are the, the use collectively cases? owned so, assets of the hub? Okay, and so the allocation module will help better, um, not only so not like, only help the hub better bring assets into its treasury, but also better deploy assets into the ecosystem. Yeah. Okay, because currently. The hub, I mean, currently the hub only holds atoms. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. hold any other. It doesn't positions. hold anything else. It doesn't diversify. It doesn't, and like, it's very cumbersome to say, hey, I would like, I am a new chain launching in the ecosystem. I, like, I mean, we did the Prop 72 thing with Neutron, right? Mm. But like, super cumbersome and like, okay, like, you know, it's just like yet another multi-sig that like we have to manage and stuff like that. Like, yeah. It's like, it's very high trust. We're not able to actually deploy that much capital through it, right? Oh, I see. So the allocation module would also do, like in the case of Prop 70, uh, Prop 70. Prop 72. Prop 72. Um, I guess for, for many you know, proposals where people are asking for funds, someone sets up a multi-sig, those funds go into that multi-sig, and there's a sort of like an assumption yeah. that those people will do the right thing with the funds. Yeah. The allocation module can actually set maybe, um, Allocation. Right, it's, sort so of it can timeline, set a, right? yeah, it can set a stream of atoms towards to some project, some sort of goal. Okay. Okay. With some expected return. Yeah. So like the idea is this that like you know if you were if you were flowing assets towards like a neutron there would be a flow of neutrons back into the community pool mm. right yeah. that like you would accumulate this asset and then the treasury management function can actually figure out what to do with. Does this. it only have to be a you know, like a financial return, or like one of the things I was thinking about, because you know, for Nebular Summit, we did we did a proposal where we asked the Evmos for, for tokens, and then when we got the tokens, we did the, we did the conference, and then later, people were like, hey, you should you should you should you should write to the community and tell them what they got for their marketing spend, yeah. right? And so there's I think there's this like idea of deliverables that it, you know is underexploited, yep. um, you know, and so are, are there, you know, in, in the case of Neutron, in your example. Cosmos Hub flows, uh, streams atoms into the into Neutron. Neutron streams back tokens to the Hub. For for things that are less financialized, you know, for instance, funding a conference or funding open source software, what kinds of guarantees can the Hub get that these things are actually getting done? So, Let's say you're funding yeah. you know, someone who's building open source software. What kind of deliverables can those so, people provide to the Hub? The white paper, which is. This is the part of the white paper that I spent the least mental energy on, but other people spent a lot of mental energy on, was this new assembly system, this new governance system. And these things are sort of overlapped and, and coordinated, right? On one hand, you have like the allocation module, which is conceived of as, you know, there is an intention of getting financial return, mm. right? Of, of like obtaining assets. Because I do think that the, you know, 
that the like one of the core things that you need to have to have a successful interchain, a successful interchain that like works together, is this mechanism of hey, there are like coordinated assets. Yeah. But that like that Adam is is like sort of can get exposure to all of these other assets rather than like, oh, I'm a Cosmos investor, I have to constantly be like chasing every single chain that launches. Mm -hmm. Like there is more of a coordinated mechanism, there's more of a shared exposure to the ecosystem. So um, as an investor, I mean, yeah, this might be also going off into a tangent here, but as an investor, you, one could feel comfortable investing in Atom and knowing that Atom is, or the hub is making it, investments or at least funding it, things that- Yeah, it, it's giving you some hub. derivative exposure, some, right. you know, Exposure to the other, and like you know, if when the when these assets when these investments become profitable, there's some opportunity to like you know they will be you know you do atom buybacks and burns and stuff like that okay. to like sort of. And, can, and and so these assets that are in the treasury can can the hub also stake them? Absolutely. Wow. For interchain accounts are pretty magical, man. Oh, okay, that's cool. I think I think Braps talked to me about this on on the episode I did with him recently, and I was like, wait, what? Yeah, a, yeah, a chain yeah. could stake tokens in yeah, its yeah, treasury? Yeah. So like um, <laughs> in the next hub upgrade, yeah. we will be able to do interchain accounts governance actions. Because right now, you know, for, in, in, the case of the, in, in the case of the delegations that the ICF announced, these are manual operations effectively, right? Yeah. I mean, like, these are people deciding where those tokens go. Yeah. In the future, we could have these things be, basically be on chain, be governed by, yeah. by governance. So and, again, and this is like, you know, again, I think the hub can like really, can more than any other organization. I mean, Swiss Foundation can has its has the ability to absolutely make credible commitments yeah. because of its governance structure. Yeah. But I think the hub can also make credible commitments. And I think you saw this really nicely with Olympus. Like Olympus did this. They were like, "Hey, we will hold your asset. Like if we're buying an asset, we 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 will credibly commit to holding it for a longer period of time." Hmm. Very cool. Um... And so, yeah, I I I would like there to be a world that the allocation module now becomes a mechanism that is like, the Atom community is like the most credible cap capital partner in the entire ecosystem. That we're more credible than any venture fund, we're more credible than the ICF. Like it's, the Atom DAO essentially is the most credible capital partner. So you're like, hey, you know, oh, Atom DAO, you wanna hold IST Atom LP tokens. Like we not only know that, but we know that you'll like, you're willing to like sort of ride or die with those. Mm. Like, you'll hold them for 10 years. Yeah, right? yeah. Interesting. Okay, yeah. That's, that's, I think we could, we could really go, I, go I deeper mean, here, like, but let, let's talk and about I gotta, the I got to, like, you know, this is, this, you know, there are so many people who are here who's, who are, who, whose names are on the white paper and people whose names are not on the white paper who've contributed to these ideas. Uh, and so you got to talk to all of them because this is... Zucky is the uh, is the you know, the sacrificial lamb to the <laughs> to the Adam gods, but you know there's a lot there's a lot of people with a lot of ideas here and a lot of people who I hope we will we will all build this together. Yeah, and, and I think I'll get some of those people on the podcast and maybe dive in deeper into some of these <laughs> you, little, you into these do, things. You, you can do an entire podcast series going author by author. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let, let, then let's let's touch on the final piece, the scheduler. Uh, yeah. I think this is one of the most interesting pieces. Yeah, what, what's the scheduler and Yeah, how does I mean, it I think MEV is a little, still a quite esoteric topic to a lot of people. Um, and, yeah. you know, absolutely. <laughs> I kind of, uh, you know, and I, I, I do, but, you know, the, the basic idea of if you have a market on chain, 
information about that market, like the, the flow of information through markets creates value. Yeah. And being able, and like one of the things that is kind of um, sort of weird and interesting about the world is that like, mo like essentially in the world, information is continuously being generated. Like people's preferences about, so like, you know, I'm like up on stage giving my talk about Adam 2.0, but osmosis only makes a block every five seconds, right? So I'm talking about things, people's preferences and their expected future value of Adam is dynamically changing sort of in real time, yeah. but blockchain markets are only updating every time you make a block, right? And so there's this continuous transfer of information and the most valuable transfer of information is functionally between the centralized exchange ecosystems and the decentralized exchange ecosystems. And I think Adam is gonna to continue to be in a privileged place for those flows. See, this was the thing about, the, about your talk that I, this is the argument I think stands up the least. Because yeah, people have been talking about Adam being in this privileged place of being the on and off ramp for, um, yeah. you know, for, for centralized exchanges. Effectively, right now, I think Adam is the only asset in, that in the interchain that is listed. Uh, Juno is supposed to be listed. I don't think it's listed yet. But that doesn't have to remain the case forever. Yeah, but so I can't put all my cards on the table yet. <laughs> I, I, I've got some other, we've got some other stuff. Okay. Uh, but yeah, let's assume that like Adam remains, uh, you know, the dominant IBC yeah, asset. Yeah, so that I is think there's a couple of questions here, right? One is, so you have two things that I think, you know, I decided to take that tack in the talk. But, so two things. One is Adam and the Adam secure things being the dominant on-ramp, off-ramp is one thing. Second thing is we all want to live in a future where decentralized exchanges, where that's where most price discovery happens, et cetera. In both of those worlds, having a slice of the block space, a valuable slice of the block space futures market is a really powerful thing and is perhaps much, is like the most aligned sort of fee mechanism that I think you can conceive of. Okay, so how does this work? Uh, so, explain what a blockchain, block space futures market is. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> now, now, now we gotta go to really into the details. Okay, That's what so here. here's how this is, how, how we imagine this thing. Um, the way we imagine this thing is right now, every block proposer on a Cosmos chain has unilateral authority over what they put in their block, right? And so we have started, you know, we, we see some MEV extraction uh, on osmosis now, um, on Through Ethereum. Like MechaTech. MechaTech, yeah. Skip, yeah, whatever else people are doing. Yeah. Okay. And then we have countermeasures like uh, threshold encryption and stuff like that. But anyway, it doesn't change the fact that we have unilateral authority. Well, we have these two new Tendermint APIs um, that are in alpha right now in the next Tendermint release. Um, and it lets you apply additional conditions to the block. So what we could do is actually say, hey, okay, so you have like, you, you have the auction chain, you have this auction chain. The auction chain is saying, hey, on this auction chain, we like auction off block space on all, on, let's say all the interchain. I need chain that's auctioned. So this would be like a, a separate chain that just does auction. Just does block space auctions. Okay. But it's, it has Market. IBC connections to a lot yeah. of different, to the interchain security chains, potentially beyond that, anything that's opt-in. And there's a new IBC protocol, the block space futures IBC 
protocol. This block-space futures IBC protocol says, okay, on the, if the, on the block-space futures chain, you win the auction for block 6,000, it will say, you send an IBC packet of that auction winning to the uh, uh, chain who's where like, that block will happen. Mm, so. And you say, hey, on that block, on that chain, the validator you, who the validator proposes that block. Yeah, that block is only valid if the top of the block, let's say the first twenty percent of gas consumed in the block, is signed by the winner of the auction. Okay. So and this is called a physically delivered block space future. Okay. And what? Why would someone want to buy this block space for okay. the future? Like, why would someone want to buy future block space? So the reason why someone would is now, so Skip and Mechatech, what they don't have in the current system is enforceable execution rights, mm -hmm. okay? So if you're a builder right now, you don't actually have an enforceable right. You just have this like reputation market mm. where it's like, oh, I, you know, I told you that I would propose this and like I, you were gonna willing to pay me um, and maybe you didn't and maybe you stole the MEV yourself and maybe I'll kick you out of the marketplace, but it's like not, it's not, the, it's not like a really protocol-enforced right. Mm -hmm. If you go to this world of, of protocol-enforced block space... Just maybe, maybe just, it bears just... Because like you said, you know, MEV is big, esoteric, so it bears just reminding like, how, how this builder-validator relationship works. So in, in the case of Mechatech, yes, yes. Mechatech builds the block. Mechatech looks at all, of the, all, all of the things happening on chain, builds the block in a way that will extract the most value, sells that information to the validator. Yes. The validator, because Mechatech is not running validators, yep. that's not their business. Yep. A validator is not doing MEV, that's yep. not their business, or not doing MEV sort of yeah, like they're building. Not, they, they're right? not doing this they're discretionary doing, thing. Right. The validator- The discretion is living at the builder. Exactly, so the builder sells that information to the validator. The validator agrees to execute, to, to basically structure that block with those transactions in that order, and then give a portion of that back to, to, to Mechatech, and then the validator takes no, the rest. usually in the block itself. Right. It'll, Mechatech okay. will generate Yeah, but they don't have to. Yeah. They could like also be running some sort of software that like optimizes that block, but removes that Mechatech transaction, or whoever yeah. the builder is. What you're saying is that this uh, scheduler model effectively says it is enforced. So when you buy that block space, whatever, whoever bought that block space, they decide what goes in there. The validator can't do anything about it. Yeah. Or, or they'll get slashed or something. Some, some yep. incentive mechanism will, 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 yep. will get triggered. Like um, the block will either have a signed chunk from the winner mm -hmm. or it'll be empty. And if, like we could say, also if you produce like N empty blocks, we'll slash you. Okay. Yeah, so I think we're, the, where we were going was what's the point of, like, why would someone want to buy future block space? So. The biggest thing about it is that now you get this, like, as a builder, you get this enforceable right. Yeah. But this enforceable right is even more powerful if you have it across multiple chains. Okay. So if you're like, hey, there's a transaction that we need to execute where it's like, I want to be able to make sure that, you know, I get atoms, I get an outgoing IBC trans, I like exit my atoms from a centralized exchange, get an IBC transaction and get them outgoing to Agoric so I can like, you know, get some IST for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And I can do all of that with the highest probable priority. 
Now, if someone has a physical, like sort of a, a guaranteed protocol right, and I know that this builder has it, I can go to that builder and they can give me really strong execution guarantees that I, not just like on one chain, they'll be able to do something, mm. but like that entire sequence of actions could potentially be executed like with a high degree of, of certainty about delivery. So who's going to be buying this block space? Mostly builders. Mostly right? builders. Mostly builders. So you, you expect that there will be a market of builders. There will be a mar I expect that there will be a market of builders. Okay. And um, so the scheduler, I mean, like technically speaking, what does the scheduler uh, allow? And do we need also like these blockchain, block space auctioning chains to exist? Or does, does it take it into account somehow? Yeah. Um, like where does the auctioning where does the auctioning actually happen? It happens on an on an interchain secured application specific chain. Okay, which doesn't exist. Which, which doesn't exist. Which doesn't exist. But the scheduler is the technology that makes it possible for that block space yeah. to be. Enforced. So what exists right now is tender mean, 0.37 is prepare block process block. Yeah. We'll write a Cosmos SDK module that you can include in your chain. Yeah. Um, that like fulfills this protocol. It'll speak a new IBC protocol. So just mm -hmm. like we have interchain accounts. Interchange security, token transfers, NFT transfers, now there will be another one. And so you expect many auction blockchains to come into existence, like a marketplace of auction blockchains, or is like. In the perfect world, like. There's you know, one. There's one, and it's the Atom one. Okay. But we'll see. <laughs> so this is, this is what you're not uh, revealing yet, is like there may be uh, an, an, an interchange security yeah. auction chain on the hub that most people will use. Yep. And maybe some others like will emerge and there will yeah. be a marketplace of those, but you expect the Atom one. Yeah, especially because it is being able to offer contiguous blocks across multiple chains is like one of the most valuable mm. propositions. Well, that, that's a ton of stuff. Uh, how does, like, I guess, how does this stuff all play together to create um, an ecosystem of applications that sort of accrues value and um, yeah. yeah, like so, how do we turn this into like the vision for 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 the cosmos? Yeah, so how does that? How does this all fit together? So one, so one one point of it is part of it is you know I think the adoption of DeFi application. I'd say so like. You know, there's two there's two basic applications that we found in blockchain so far. Like one is DeFi and the other one is NFTs. Yeah. Um, Cosmos is really thriving in the DeFi space. So like for that ecosystem and like how all of this will play and combine and synthesize with the DeFi ecosystem, I think that is something that's very clear in my mind, and I think it'll be increasingly clear to other people. The flip side of that is if we want how this plays out with like sort of mass market consumer applications, you know, I feel like that is more like Stargaze, Saga, those kinds of things. Mm. I think like one of my, like what is a practical matter, like one of the things that is like a weakness of mine is like, look, I've been thinking about DeFi since like 2015. I have been, I've been excited about DeFi. I'm very excited about like expanding the user world of people. I think DeFi is, is a huge liberating force for humanity. Uh, the sort of current set of mass market applications I have don't really understand or know very much about. Mm. So, um, but I think in this DeFi ecosystem that we see emerging in Cosmos, um, this new set of, of pieces for Atom make a huge difference. 
I think so, yeah. It's, it's, it's certainly um, very exciting. And I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing like, where this is going to be in yeah, three, four, five years. Yeah, yeah I know. It, it really, I think we have, we've really set up, you know, like, I think like one of the things that, is the queer, that should be the clearest takeaway of this conference for people is we've set a North Star. We hope that the community like, is excited and embraces this North Star. We have, we have a group of people who are not only going to keep building the stuff that we're already building, but can also build towards this North Star. And, you know, we are doing this with the vision of building a much healthier ecosystem. Well, I think that's a great note to end on and yeah. certainly uh, a great ambition. Thanks. Zaki, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for doing this.